Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. We're the official podcast of Tennis Canada and members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at MatchpointCan. We're also on Instagram, Matchpoint Canada. Mike, I, I have to say, we've been so ridiculously spoiled with terrific guests over the past you know week and a half two weeks it's just one after the other and we landed another fantastic one kind of last minute and perfect time to, to put it out as we celebrate Canada Day yeah just uh, here we are Canada Day celebrating uh, our nation's birthday and uh, we had Milos Raonic just a few days ago which was fantastic on the men's side of Canadian tennis and uh, now we got Jeannie Bouchard to cover off the, the women's side as well here in our country. And between those two, really, when you think about it, they both, um, despite struggles of late, they both put Canada on the tennis map in terms of what we can do in singles competition. And uh, we've had uh, Jeannie on the podcast before. We were fortunate enough to have her last summer at the Rogers Cup. And uh, great to have her back. Very timely. And uh, we certainly touched about Canada today, but a whole lot of other things with her as well in this, our second ever interview with the former Canadian number one. Today, we're excited to welcome Jeannie Bouchard back to the podcast. She's without a doubt one of the most popular guests that we've ever had. Seriously, I don't think we get asked more by our listeners about when we're having someone back on the podcast. She's a Wimbledon finalist, a former top five on the WTA and one of the most recognizable figures on and off the tennis court. And she did tell us last summer at the Rogers Cup that we were the first ever podcast that she'd been on, and we're very proud of that. Jeannie, welcome back to Matchpoint Canada. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, great to, great to have you. And uh, we were excited, I think, to, to see you competing again at the Credit Bank One Invitational, a fun exhibition down in Charleston. Uh, just to start, I guess, how have you held up over the last few months in quarantine, and, and what was it like uh, just getting back on court competing again? Yeah, quarantine was, was obviously tough. Um, Obviously, beyond that, the, the toughest part is is the people, you know, trying to combat this crisis and all all the frontline workers and everything like that. But, you know, being forced to be at home, not having a job, it obviously has its own challenges in itself. And, you know, I think it was more mentally tough than anything and just, you know, kind of trying to stay day by day as opposed to thinking, oh, my God, when are we going to be back? And I feel like when I tried to have that mentality, it helped me and time kind of went by pretty quick. I mean, here we are, it's already the end of June, which I find is crazy. So um, yeah, I'm just super grateful to be able to have some opportunities now. And uh, just just at the event there in, in Charleston, uh, we actually saw you hitting with a couple of our podcast guests, Brad Gilbert, and I, I recently spoke with Renee Stubbs actually a bit over a month ago. Just curious, is, is this like a little trial run, just, uh, just hitting with those two, or are you actually seeking out maybe a, a new voice or two to, to add to your coaching team? I am definitely uh, seeking out uh, a new coach. I'm based in Vegas now. I train with Gil Reyes out there, who's obviously Andre Agassi's former trainer. I'm lucky enough that Steffi and Andre uh, do come on the court and help me once, when I'm out there. Um, but this week with Renee is, is a trial, and uh, I like her a lot so far. She has great energy, great information. And with Brad, that was when I was in Vegas as well. He came out for a weekend to just help me out for a couple of days. And so um, I just think, you know, hearing voices of people like these who have so much experience, who've all played themselves and then now are in the coaching uh, world, I just take what they say. You know, I absorb it all. I take it obviously very I just listen to everything they say and then I take it as, as the truth, 
because you know they've been there and they've done it and so I just feel super lucky that um, I've been able to have such amazing people in my corner. Steffi Groff and Andre Agassi it's tough to beat that and uh, both of them former... find a better combo than that really. Right. Both former Wimbledon champions and uh, this week would normally mark the beginning of Wimbledon a tournament where right. you've had so much success from your junior win in 2012 and making the finals as a pro in 2014. How special is Wimbledon to you and what positive memories do you have from your past experiences there? Yeah, I mean, I've always said it's my favorite Grand Slam. No matter what, I think it probably always will be. I just feel like it has that special tradition and history. And it's it's the one that when I was a kid, I, I really paid attention to on TV and always, you know, imagined myself winning. Um, so yeah it's it's super sad i can't believe one is not happening for the first time since like world war ii this this week so it's uh it's tough but you know it's an important decision that was made i think it was the right decision and so now we just have to you know just just handle it and um you know look forward to next year another big event this week for those of us here in canada is the celebration of our country's 153rd birthday if my math is correct so canada day is is happening You've been in the U.S., it seems, for uh, pretty much the, the bulk of quarantine isolation. What are you missing the most about being up here? And do you have any plans to celebrate Canada Day where you are? Maybe a shot of maple syrup like a Vashik Pospisil, for example? <laughs> yeah, you know, I miss Canada so much. I really don't get back often anymore. I think the last time I was there was was Christmas. So obviously the quarantine this year is, was something that was extra special, but I miss my family so much. You know, I haven't seen a lot of them, especially with the border being closed. People can't even visit me right now. So that was like extra tough during quarantine. Um, especially in the summer, I think all the city, I'm from Montreal. So for me, Montreal, like, is just such a fun city in the summer. And so, so much energy to it. You know, there's festivals, there's like stuff going on downtown. There's like the warm weather, there's the old port. And so just kind of experiencing stuff that's, that was always in my backyard as a kid, but obviously as a kid, not really appreciating it. Now I go back and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm from this really cool city. So um, those aspects I definitely miss. I will be celebrating from afar and, you know, giving my thoughts and wishing I was home. I mean, I don't think I've ever been home from Canada today since I was like, I don't know, 12 years old and usually I'm at Wimbledon. Um, so when I'm retired, I will come back and celebrate. <laughs> That sounds like a plan. Uh, and just as you mentioned, Montreal, um, you know, we had the chance to speak with you at Rogers Cup last summer. And unfortunately, can't do the same this summer. And you would have been in Montreal later later this summer. But of course, both events uh, being postponed. I guess, what do you think you'll miss the most about, about the hometown tournament? And where does Rogers Cup maybe rank for you kind of priority-wise in your schedule? Well, as in terms of priority, it's always up there. You know, it's always something I make myself available to play. What I miss most would definitely be like the fans, the crowd. I mean, no one goes as hard for me as they do over there. They're just so passionate and and really support me, especially with it being specifically in Montreal. Then my you know family and friends are able to come who, you know, often don't get to see me play or, you know, let's say my, my grandpa or my, my great aunt or things like that, they only see me play live, you know, whenever I play in Canada. So that's either Rogers Cup or like Fed Cup if, if it works out. So, um, you know, I, I find it extra special to be able to play in front of them because they've seen my my journey since I was, I was a kid. So, yeah, I'll definitely be missing the fans over there. Uh, maybe they're missing me a bit too, hopefully. Um, 
but I'm so happy to hear that we'll be back in Montreal next year because um, we can't just like skip a year. You know, we can't, we can't do that. So I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we agree with that. And uh, I, I felt last summer when, when we spoke to you and, and you were in Toronto, actually, it seemed like you had just this great perspective on the sport, just recognizing the things you have accomplished. We talked about the Wimbledon final top five in the world. And, and you said, I remember these accomplishments, you have them forever. And I'm just wondering for you, do, do you find it's harder maybe for younger athletes coming up in the sport to maybe appreciate their accomplishments in the moment, given just the amount of pressure there is? Uh, and I, I guess what would a, a slightly older genie maybe tell a younger genie uh, about those successes? You know, I think, uh, I think you can see it both ways because – Obviously, you know, whatever you've accomplished, no one can take that away from you. But at the same time, you don't want to let that, like, make you be complacent and, and relaxed and you don't want to just rest on your laurels. So it's, I think you need to find the right balance because, yes, you want to appreciate it in the moment. And I think only time can make you appreciate it more. But at the same time, you know, you can't be like, okay, well, I've done this and that's kind of good enough. And, you know, while you're in your career, if you want to keep going, I think it's important to to constantly want to strive for more. So um, it's a balance for sure. In terms of striving for more and when you get back to competing in regular tour events, um, obviously the ranking is a challenge right now because of 2019. Where do you see yourself starting back and, and how much motivation have you got? I mean, when we've spoken to you in the past, it seems really high and the way that we see you training off court, obviously the desire is there. Where do you see yourself starting back to uh, make the climb back to the, the top levels of the game? Yeah, so it's it's going to be tricky for sure. As of right now, real tournaments start August 3rd. Um, with my ranking, I definitely need to play some of the ITF challengers, uh, which are good for me to play anyway because I need matches. I need to just, you know, get those wins, get those confidence wins back. So I don't think the ITF schedule is like fully released yet. So it's like we're kind of still in the dark, which is which is tough. But as soon as that's out there, I want to play a mix of like those ITFs and whichever WTA events I can maybe get wild cards into and kind of start from there. Um, but I'm super grateful that, you know, I'm here in Charleston right now. I just finished this week where we had, you know, high quality matches against some of the top Americans here and um, actually a fun week because it was kind of a team event. And this weekend I'm actually going tomorrow. We're driving to Lexington, Kentucky, because there's another like kind of charity event where I'm going to get three singles matches over three days. And then after that, I have world team tennis, which is like two and a half weeks of like matches. So um, it kind of suddenly just all started again. And obviously these matches don't count for points, but everyone's kind of taking them seriously because it's all we've got. And I certainly am. And I'm just, yeah, again, super grateful. And, you know, I appreciate having a job after not having one. So you know, it's just all suddenly started. So I'm just like in the middle of kind of trying to get back to like feeling like a touring professional. That's that's great. And uh, great to see. I guess you're getting so much match play over the next few weeks, which is, I think, crucial. Um, but before we let you go, we wanted to give just a few listener questions who uh, filed a few questions last night. Uh, only had one marriage proposal, just so you know, but most okay, of the questions. Good. Toning down. It's, I'm toning down. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but here's one question from Lawrence. Uh, he asked, what did you learn about yourself during quarantine? That's a very good question. I feel like lots of people learned a lot about themselves. And if they were quarantined with other people, they probably learned a lot about the other person as well. I was mostly alone. Um, I was able to keep, you know, training a little bit. And, and then when things opened up again, you know, back to full training. But 
what I learned was that I, well, first of all, love learning. I, I picked up a couple of things during quarantine. I did, um, I did an online class uh, with Harvard, which was super interesting. Neuroscience. I don't, don't ask me why I tried to wow. do the hard thing. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, I did pass though, of course, but if I do something, I do it hundred percent, you know, it gave me like five weeks to do it. I did it in like two weeks. I was like, I'm doing this every day. Wow. Um, I started learning the piano. Um, and I was also keeping up. I've been trying to learn Spanish for like a while now. And then quarantine, I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to give it a real effort. Um, so I was doing that. Although now, since I started training more, I kind of toned down everything again and I feel more back to normal. But for those couple months, I was like totally doing a bunch of different stuff. I never would have had the chance to do. And I just realized like, I just love expanding like my horizons and, and trying different things. So I'm feeling really, really lazy right now about what I've accomplished in the past. <laughs> well, I didn't months. say that to, to mean that for anyone, but for yeah. me, like I, I like to work hard and I, I need to do things or else my brain goes crazy. So I had to like, get, look, don't worry. I watched my fair share of like TV shows. I definitely spent a lot of time on the couch so much so that like my back was getting stiff. And I was like, Hey, this is a problem. I need to start. <laughs> but, one last um, question. Uh, sorry, one last question for you here from uh, yeah. Ross. Another one of your fans here was, uh, what did you miss most about tennis during the lockdown? You know, it's crazy um, that I, I found myself missing like small random things. Like I remember before coming here to Charleston a couple of days before I kind of turned to my mom and I was like, you know, I miss being like at the gate at an airport. Like I actually miss traveling and like I, I've always loved traveling, but after doing it for a while, like the, the, the grind of it was definitely like became less fun and going to the places was fun but just the act of traveling was like a grind and I was like oh my god I miss like being on a plane like I didn't go on a plane for four and a half months that's the longest I've been not on a plane since I was literally 10 years old um so I was like gosh like I miss all this and then I traveled one day and I was like all right yep don't miss it anymore I'm good <laughs> but um yeah again just just so grateful that uh, slowly our sport is coming back and uh, I hope for a great return well said. Well, we thank our listeners for their questions. So many good ones we couldn't get to. And uh, we've got plenty more as well. So hopefully down the road, Jeannie, we uh, have you back on the podcast. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time and, and have a great Canada Day. Thank you. Yeah, just hit me up. Have a great Canada Day as well. Thanks for thank having you. me, guys. There you have it. Our conversation with Canadian Jeannie Bouchard. And I, I was pretty pleased to hear that uh, she is trying new options. Uh, we, we saw at first it floated on Twitter that she was seen working with Renee Stubbs and I had the privilege of chatting with her uh, about a month ago and Stubbs terrific doubles champion in her career and already coach of Sam Stoser and then getting the chance to work with Brad Gilbert as well. Uh, Jeannie still thinks she has plenty of tennis ahead of her and, and can get everything back on track. Yeah, she's turning to different voices. I think someone like Renee with the uh, the doubles experience can certainly help Jeannie with perhaps other parts of her games. Not that she's going to change her game or have a complete makeover, but just ways to improve and perhaps surprise opponents and throw them off kilter. Uh, you can't go wrong training with Gil Reyes. Uh, anyone who's read Andre Agassi's autobiography, Open, or followed Andre's career knows uh, how punishing Gil was in terms of bringing Andre's fitness uh, to where it needed to be for him to uh, experienced quite a bit of longevity in his career and get the most out of it in his mid-30s. And, uh, and having voices like Andre and Steffi Graf around too, you can't go wrong with those people uh, in your tennis circle. And uh, it is exciting to hear that uh, Jeannie is looking for a new coach 
trialing things with Renee Stubbs and, and hearing from other fantastic voices in the tennis world too. And, um, you know, we can't help but hope that this will get her back to a, a place where she feels she's playing her best tennis and, and her fans can get excited about what she can still do in her career. Cause there's a, there's a long way to go still uh, with her just being in her mid twenties really. Yeah, and I, I think one thing to just be quite optimistic about, at least with Jeannie Bouchard, is recently playing in this Charleston event, a team event of 16 different players and some top, top players, you know, Sophia Kennan there, Madison Keys, uh, among several others, Victoria Azarenka also there, Danielle Collins. And Jeannie, she did not look out of place. She did not look like she didn't belong. She looked very much like she did belong. Like she can hit with those girls. She can play with them. She had the nice win over Layla uh, Fernandez, won a doubles match as well. So her level of tennis, what we've seen her produce in the past, of course, has been elite. But but still now today, uh, she can hang with the best of them. And when we've seen her healthy for spurts, she's shown it. Uh, but she does have the understanding now. Uh, she, she has to get back on the ITF Challenger circuit, which is uh, first and foremost on the schedule when tennis returns and then just playing these little exhibition against uh, events and getting match play right now is is the most crucial for her she had such a tough go in 2019 that that terrible losing streak that she was uh, in that she found herself in but we saw signs that things were turning the corner I mean she ended the losing streak so just right there that must have been such a good uh, weight to get off of her shoulders and then the Rogers Cup last summer for anybody watching or anybody in attendance here in Toronto she really pushed Bianca Andreescu in their opening round match. And, and Jeannie took the first set, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, gosh, who knows what that would have done to Bianca's development, what with her not only winning the Rogers Cup, but then launching into her first Grand Slam after that as well. But Jeannie could take a lot of pride in how she played in that match. And there was a healthy level of respect between the two as well. Um, it, it is going to take a lot of work for her to get back to, I don't know, let's say the top 100, 150 in the women's game. But she also has so few points to defend and with rankings frozen this year as well in 2021, she'll have a lot of opportunity to improve upon that. Uh, we've seen her in practice a fair bit. Uh, she's working her butt off and uh, I think the results will be, they're reasonable results, but better results than what we had in 2019. And I don't see why she can't get back at her age to the top 150 in the women's game if she's willing to, as she says, uh, work for it. Yeah. And as she said, you know, I asked her that, that question about accomplishments and achievements because people forget to maybe give her a hard time, but she really did achieve so much in this sport, not just for Canada, but the general tennis landscape, getting to that Wimbledon finals very early or early in her career and, you know, recognizing that that is a great accomplishment, but I think she does want to get more out of the game still. She is, as she said, not resting on her laurels. She's, she's keen to compete and uh, just being, not not older herself, but one of the older players on the tour, it feels like, as we have so many young faces on the WTA, uh, that she has that newfound perspective and, and is probably wiser at her age now. And we heard her spending some time in quarantine, taking that Harvard class. Um, what, neuroscience, right? Neuro, so. Neuroscience. <laughs> like, look, come on. Who would, have, who would have thought, and I don't just mean Jeannie, but that any tennis player right. would be taking neuroscience classes on the side. And I think that's another interesting aspect of quarantine, isolation, whatever you want to call it. We've been through for three months here. But just looking at what some of these other tennis players are getting themselves into and, uh, and diversifying and the hidden talents that they have. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, speaking with Jeannie there, uh, kind of blown away by how lazy I feel now with what I, I haven't done with the last three months. 
she's certainly made the most of it. And, uh, you know, Jeannie is a, a polarizing figure and gets way more flack and hate than she uh, absolutely deserves. And you've got to give her credit for what she accomplished back in 2014, which was just absolutely remarkable at the time. And still, to this day, the greatest single uh, singles season of tennis that a Canadian tennis player has produced with the Wimbledon final and two other Grand Slam semifinals. Uh, and then on the other side of things, she's got some of the most loyal, loyal supporters, her genie army that have been with her through thick and thin. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with, people that uh, see you for your, your best efforts and uh, the good and the positivity. And uh, we're certainly happy to have had Jeannie back again with us on Canada Day, even though she can't celebrate Canada Day up here in Canada uh, at this time. But uh, a, a great Canadian guest to have on the, the podcast and someone that we would welcome back with open arms anytime. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we, we thank her so much uh, for joining us and thrilled to, to get this Canada Day episode uh, with Jeannie Bouchard, just another one of uh, the great guests we've had over the past few weeks, and uh, we, we announced it on our last episode, but for those who don't know, next week we have another terrific guest, uh, former French Open finalist Lucy Safarova will be joining us, so look forward to that one. Uh, but for now, thanks so much again for listening to Matchpoint Canada. I'll give a reminder, we're also on YouTube, so you can see subscribe to us there follow us on twitter like share and retweet thanks for listening and happy canada day everybody stay safe and have fun